Chapter 1 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. Mad Dog Molly Billette was searching impatiently about the pretty grounds of her house. Her mouth was pouted most becomingly, and her brow was wrinkled in a prodigious frown that boded no good for Irene Moore, the absent one. She is the most aggravating thing. Molly stamped her foot and was aggrieved that it made no sound on the soft turf. Just as everything is ready, she has to go and run away. She ought to be put out of the club. Bad child. Ah, now, you could never do a thing like that to me, darling, said a laughing, coaxing voice from somewhere over Molly's head. You've a good heart, despite the fact that it's well hid. Molly discovered that she was standing beneath one of her mother's cherished apple trees. She looked up, still wearing her threatening frown, and found among the branches of the tree the smiling and wholly unrepentant face of Irene Moore. Come down out of that, she commanded, her frown deepening. What do you think you are, a tree toad? Irene made a mournful face. Am I as ugly as all that? she complained. I always knew my beauty was nothing to rave over, but a tree toad. Don't be silly. Molly was smiling in spite of herself as one frequently did at Irene's nonsense. Have you given a thought, young lady, to the fact that you are holding up a very important meeting of the outdoor girls? Am I now? Irene's tone was deceitfully penitent. Who would be thinking it? Out of the way, darlin', while I leap to yon mossy bank. Although Molly could see no mossy bank, she took the precaution to step out of the way just the same. It was lucky she did, for the next moment Irene landed in a laughing heap on the ground exactly on the spot where Molly had stood but a moment before. The latter tried to frown and succeeded only in giggling joyously. Come along, you bad thing, she said with an arm about the younger girl. Some day you're going to break your neck climbing apple trees promiscuously like that. Now you needn't go insulting me with your long words, Irene retorted. And I'll have you know I'm not a bit promiscuous. I'm very careful about the apple trees I climb. You're hopeless, declared Molly with a shake of her head. I'm afraid, Irene Moore, that you will never see the serious side of life. Well, returned Irene voicing a rare bit of philosophy. What you can't see never will hurt you. It's a good thing to be blind to some things, Molly Billette. They had passed around the Billette's vine-covered house and invaded the grounds to the rear of it. There was a garden here, bright with early flowers, and there were great old shade trees dotting the bright lawn with splashes of shadow. As Molly and Irene approached, they could see the other three outdoor girls lazing in characteristic attitudes in the pretty rose arbor at the extreme end of the grounds. Amy Blackford was seated cross-legged on the slatted floor of the arbor, making a sweet-scented wreath of spring flowers. Stella Sibley was busy with pencil and paper, sketching Grace Ford, who lolled luxuriously in the old porch swing that stood just without the arbor, beneath the shade of a wide-spreading tree. Surely the right kind of setting for a meeting of the outdoor girls of Deepdale. Molly and Irene paused at the entrance to the pretty spot, drinking in the picture. 
However, at the sight of the two missing members, the scene changed abruptly. It became imbued with activity. Amy pushed her flower wreath to one side and scrambled to her feet. And even Grace Ford sat up in the swing, looking expectant. Hey, how do you expect me to make a good drawing when my model won't sit still? It was Stella Sibley who made the complaint. Grace grinned at her. Who said anything about a good drawing, old dear? she drawled. Just for that, I'm going to exhibit the sketch. Stella pushed her pad over toward the newcomers. Picture of Grace, she announced with deep gravity. Subtitle, Laziness Complete and Unashamed. The two girls chuckled as they bent over the sketch. The girl reclining in the swing was undoubtedly Grace, though the posture of repose and the blissful expression on the face were so cleverly accented as to make the whole thing irresistibly funny. The chuckle swelled into a gale of laughter, and Grace jumped up and snatched the picture from them. Let me see that thing, she cried, then gazing upon her own slightly cartooned, though still graceful and pretty self, as drawn by Stella's skillful pencil, a reluctant smile forced itself to her lips. What it takes to do that you've got, she acknowledged, handing the picture back to its author. I declare, no one can even think around here, Stella Sibley, but what you have to put it down on paper. If your thoughts are good ones, said Molly sententiously, you have nothing to fear. At this they all giggled again. As a matter of fact, they were all immensely entertained by this talent of Stella's. Stella Sibley and Irene Moore were younger than the other outdoor girls and had only recently been admitted to membership in their club. Stella had been quiet and a little shy at first, and not until her formal initiation into the outdoor girls' club had she given her new friends any intimation of her unusual skill with the pencil. Now Molly assumed a serious expression with difficulty and called the meeting to order. We've wasted enough time, she announced. If we are ever going to select a new leader to take our little captain's place, we had better do it right away. There was a brief pause while the four girls looked at Molly, and the expression of their merry faces sobered almost to sadness. We can't do that, really, Molly. It was Amy Blackford who put the general thought into words. We never could find anyone to take Betty's place. Don't you suppose I know that? Molly spoke sharply because of the treacherous tears that were gathering in her eyes. She glanced away for a moment, and when she spoke again, her voice was serious, almost solemn. Betty has been the leader of the outdoor girls for so long that it seems now she is married. And gone forever, came mournfully from Grace. And gone forever, agreed Molly with a faint smile. It really seems as though nothing could be the same again. But of course we can have Betty with us sometimes. When Alan lets us, again from Grace. So that it isn't like losing her altogether, Amy finished. Of course, Molly threw Amy a grateful glance. And since our outdoor girls club is still very much alive, having even, with a glance at Stella and Irene, recently added into itself two new members, I think you will all agree that we need some sort of leadership. Grace sat up suddenly in the swing and leaned toward Molly. She looked very eager and unusually in earnest. What's the use of beating around the bush, Molly? She asked abruptly. We all know who is the logical one to step into Betty's shoes. 
You were always second in command under the little captain, and now we want you to be first. Isn't that so, girls? The others replied enthusiastically in the affirmative. As she looked about at them, something caught in Molly's throat, and it was a moment or two before she could say anything at all. I'm ever so much obliged to you all, she said at last. But of course, I can't ever take Betty's place. She sat down, suddenly overtaken by that choking feeling in her throat, and to use her own disgusted phrase, proceeded to make a complete baby of herself. It was all over in a moment, being at most an April shower, and the girls fell to discussing the next important subject of the meeting. This was the imminence of Betty's birthday and the all-important problem of a suitable gift for her. Wouldn't it be nice to give her a surprise party, Irene suggested? We could say nothing to anyone about it and make it a complete surprise. The girls were in the act of unanimously acclaiming this suggestion when their attention was diverted in a sudden and alarming manner. From somewhere close by came a series of short, sharp barks, and the next moment a yellow streak burst through the shrubbery surrounding the arbor. Somebody yelled, Mad dog! And the five outdoor girls darted for cover. End of chapter one. Read by Joni Vatinen, Elk River, Minnesota, July twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two.